0: once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Levine and I will be your host again this time around. All right, are you sitting down? Prepare yourself. This is our 100th episode of Refresher. 100 episodes. My goodness. Thank you all so, so much. For this landmark episode, we have a landmark record to check out as well. This is episode 18 in our series called Psychology on Vinyl, where we try to understand both the subtle and blatant psychology behind and within famous records. Now, much like The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, This album was perhaps the first original game changer for a generation of album listeners. Here's some statistics. It was released in 1967, yet in 2018, it again became the UK's best selling studio album. More than 32 million copies had been sold worldwide as of 2011. So much has been written about this record. You know, I'm not gonna attempt to reinvent the wheel here on this podcast, but I will say this. It's gonna hopefully be both fun and insightful to listen to this album from a psychological perspective. It also was really nice to just sit back and listen to it from beginning to end again since it's been a while for me. Now, some call this the first concept album. We just talked about that on the last one. In reality, it wasn't. But easily, it was the first in popular consciousness. I think that it is, in short, one of the most innovative, original, and wonderful albums of all time. We are talking about the eighth studio album by the Beatles, namely... Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Where does one start? Well, first off, I guess is for me to admit that while this came out in 1967, I was born in 1972. So this is my late to the party thought. Can you imagine hearing this thing when it was brand new? Some of you were there. And I know this because I know our demographics reports. While the majority of our listeners are like sickeningly way, way, way Generation X people like me, I still see everybody else there, too. And I appreciate all of you. But just think about it. Imagine hearing Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Brand new. Or being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Can you what is this? That song in particular is a great way to start the psychological angle here. Here is the biggest band in the world deciding to be another band. And they're just so instrumentally experimental on this thing. On Mr. Kite, again, for example, John Lennon wanted the song to literally feel like you were at the circus. He literally asked George Martin, their producer, who some call the fifth beetle, which I agree with, make this happen and was quoted as saying to George Martin, I want to smell the sawdust, George. And when they completed this thing, you basically can. Everything from the cover of this record, to the songs, and it's very loose concept were so fresh and different and exciting. I mean, Imagine flipping the record over and the first thing that you hear on side two, not knowing it was coming, was music that sounded like it was made in India. It it had fun cutouts inside to play with. On this record, the Beatles gave us rock and roll. They gave us ballads, world music, psychedelic music. I don't know. How would you describe She's Leaving Home? orchestrated pop, maybe. Then there's the ragtime English music hall when I'm 64 sounding thing. And the new music style that they themselves created, in my opinion, possibly the best Beatles song ever. And that's saying something. The album's closer, a day in the life. In the book, Rock Counterculture and the Avant-Garde, 1966 to 1970, how the Beatles, Frank Zappa and the Velvet Underground defined an era, it said this, McCartney envisioned the Beatles alter egos after being able to do a bit of BB King, a bit of Stockhausen, a bit of Ravi Shankar, a bit of Pet Sounds and a bit of The Doors. It was also quoted here that he at this time saw the group as pushing frontiers that's very accurate. So let's break all of this down. The first song sets the tone, the title track, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Here are the Beatles, tired of touring to audiences where the screaming was so loud that nobody could actually hear them play. Paul McCartney hears pet sounds by the Beach Boys, especially the song God Only Knows, And is so moved and just driven to take his music even further. The world and its young people are getting more and more experimental in general. So what do they decide to do? They decide let's just not be the Beatles. Let's become this other band. Now the cover is interesting because it's open to so much interpretation but it shows what many view to be a grave that says Beatles and the new colorful band in a park-like setting with their crowd being a huge group of famous people. Now, not everyone thinks it's a grave, so you don't have to think so. But to me, it works. So I've always kind of viewed it that way. It's almost like they, they, they're putting the Beatles away. Now, we've talked about method acting often on our show, and this is not totally method acting, but it's kind of similar here. See, they knew that not being the Beatles for a minute opened the door for anything and everything they wanted to do. They knew not going on tour and dealing with all of that meant that they could use any instrument that they could find on the planet. And one can feel this freedom all over this masterpiece. Next comes with a little help from my friends. For my money, the most impressive thing to me is how Lennon and McCartney chose Ringo Starr to sing this song. Think about this. If you wrote this gem of a song, would you want somebody else to sing it? especially if the singer wasn't necessarily at your level of singing ability or range. That's exactly what they did. And it made a great song, also a very charming song. His vocal is absolutely what it needed. Because of his singing it, it becomes an everyman song with the other harmonies just taking it to higher places and with a bass line that is impossibly stellar. Using Ringo Starr just shows how confident this band was in their own skin at the time to have him do the lead vocal on the first real song. This was an anything is possible time for the Beatles. And because of bands like them and the Beach Boys, it soon became that way for music in general and records in general. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds screams this possibility into the universe. It is a phenomenal example of making original music. And I'm sorry, but again, can you imagine hearing this for the first time in 1967? It had to have been incredible. But what the Beatles' secret weapon was throughout their tenure, and especially on this album, was simply the ability to write great songs. I don't mean to oversimplify it, but that's really what it is. They always knew how to write well-written, melodic, and just plain good songs. Where many later psychedelic attempts by other groups failed was because, yes, a lot of the later psychedelic stuff was outer spacey and trippy, but the actual song maybe, have, maybe was a little mediocre. These songs could be played totally straight and they still would be gripping. The song Getting Better is another one on this album, which is total self-reflection and deciding to change one's negative traits to positive ones. Uh, Going to the psychological angle again, they sing, man, I was mean, but I'm changing my scene and I'm doing the best that I can, which about sums it up. But I'd love to spend a moment and jump to the song, She's Leaving Home. This is a masterpiece. What I love about this song, which is absolutely genius, is that you can sympathize with everyone in the song. There are no good guys, there are no bad guys, just people adapting to their choices or the fruits of their choices. Kids may have listened and felt totally connected to the overprotected girl and may have rooted for her. Parents could listen and could totally understand the obviously loving parental perspective, or because it's done so effectively, you can actually simultaneously feel for both. The McCartney vocal is the narrative and the young woman's perspective, well, not exclusively, And Lennon's vocal is the perspective of the parents. The bottom line, every single person in this family obviously loves every other person very, very much. I don't hear rebellion. I don't hear unreasonable parenting. Things are just changing. And each of them are trying to fathom either why the changes are happening or why they've taken so long to happen. This, with the falsettos, the string arrangements, and the theme, it's brilliant. Put it this way, if you thought at the time that She Loves You, yeah, 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 Beatles only had a short shelf life, this song alone proved this dead wrong. What a huge jump in ability, possibility, and maturity here. The song, When I'm 64, is psychologically interesting, too. On first listen, it sounds like a man wondering if his girlfriend or wife would still love him when they got older together. But remember, this is loosely a concept album. Could it be the Beatles or Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band talking to their audience? Asking the audience, are you still going to need me? Are you still going to feed me when I'm 64? It's just a thought. McCartney wrote this song. And if indeed my theory is correct, the answer is an emphatic yes. (laughs) At the time of this podcast being recorded, he's actually 79 years old. He's still touring and is still selling out all of the arenas he's going to. And his 2021 net worth was one point two billion dollars. So in case he was wondering in in 1967, yes, he's still needed and he's still very much being fed by his audience. The last song in my eyes is not only a masterpiece, but it made this album. It just made it. It's perfect. A Day in the Life is obviously one part John Lennon, and one part Paul McCartney, and perhaps it's the best or at least one of the best examples of their writing as a team. The total time spent recording A Day in the Life was 34 hours. Let's put that in perspective. The Beatles' entire debut album, Please Please Me, the whole record, had been recorded in 15 hours and 45 minutes. A Day in the Life, by itself, was 34 hours. It's a stellar work by a great collaborative band with an amazing, amazing producer at the helm. You know, listening to it again, it got me thinking, I like the Lennon and McCartney solo albums after they were no longer Beatles. But I gotta be honest, for my ears, there was always just a little something missing. Because George Harrison and Ringo Starr only had a few tracks per Beatles record, when they came out with their solo albums, to me, they would shine way more easily. I guess what I mean is that I don't terribly miss other Beatles on All Things Must Pass. To me, it's it's just perfect as it stands. But I always have wondered about what Lennon and McCartney songs would have sounded like if they stayed together, not on solo albums, but still written and recorded as Beatles on Beatles albums. Imagine if the song Imagine, or Watching the Wheels, were Beatles songs, or Junk in its fullest sense, or Let Him In, were completed Beatles songs on official Beatles records. They are what they are, and they're great, but one can wonder. Back to a day in the life. With this one, we don't have to wonder because it's exactly what happened. A day in the life is like your first day back to work after having taken a vacation. Goodbye, Pepperville. Hello, 4,000 holes in the road in Blackburn, Lancashire. It's like the Beatles took off the band costumes, put their regular clothes back on, and once again decided to be not the Sergeant Pepper band, but the Beatles. The impact of all of these things that make up this record audibly and visually was literally earth-shattering. Notice what Rolling Stone magazine said about this album. It says, The closest Western civilization has come to unity since the Congress of Vienna in 1815 was the week that the Sgt. Pepper album was released. In every city in Europe and America, the radio stations played it, and everyone listened. For a brief while, the irreparable, fragmented consciousness of the West was unified, at least in the minds of young people. You know, guys, I once heard a story about why Chrissy Hind named her band The Pretenders. I certainly hope it's true, because it's great. I read that she was hanging around with bikers, A lot of them were blatantly racist, not to say that all bikers are or that by any means she was, but they were. Anyway, the song The Great Pretender by The Platters came on the radio. And one of the bikers went in the other room so that none of his buddies could see him and he cried because he thought it was just so beautiful. Witnessing this and seeing the power of music The fact that the great pretender by African Americans had this effect on this person, she decided to name her band, The Pretenders. Now I bring this up for simple yet complex reasons. Music is insanely powerful. We are going to have an episode soon about how and why it literally gives us chills sometimes. But this record by the Beatles seems to have collectively done so globally, which is a huge accomplishment. Let's close with this. All of this having been said, ironically, this is not even my favorite Beatles album. (laughs) It's great. For me, I would say it's a tie between Rubber Soul and Abbey Road, depending on my mood. But I think it's very safe to say that this may be their most important album as it not only created background music for history, but it created history itself. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist. And for this psychology on vinyl series, the subject matter is the playlist itself. So we have for you this time around a Refresher podcast, the Beatles *Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band playlist. You can find it very easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast-The beatles Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. So let's break this in half just like it was on the original vinyl. Side one, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Number two, with a little help from my friends. Number three, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Number four, Getting Better. Number five is fixing a hole. Number six, she's leaving home. And number seven, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Side two, track one Within You, Without You by George Harrison. Number two is When I'm 64. Number three, Lovely Rita. Number four, Good Morning, Good Morning number five, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band Reprise, and number six, A Day in the Life. That is our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast-The Beatles Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. We would like to welcome new listeners to our show. I, I love how different the listeners are coming from on this planet. They're coming from everywhere. This time around in this past week, our demographics reports show that we have new listeners in Corona, California and in Manipur, India. Welcome. We're so happy that you're here and you're listening to us at Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. Guys, this show would simply not exist without you. If you could all do me a favor, please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. You're obviously doing something right because we've done a hundred of these. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, if you'd like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you'd like, you can make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. You can also check out our website, For all things Refresher at refresherpodcast.yolasite.com, You can get your Refresher gear there as well as any of the books that I've written and links to friends of the show who we love very much like Leafy and Design Craft and, of course, our friends at the Managing Expectations podcast. So just go to refresherpodcast.yolocyte.com. Yolasite, Y-O-L-A-S-I-T-E dot com. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. It is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. See you next time. Thank you so, so much.